0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they lived near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper from parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos. You'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things.
2: Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. and Robin Shouokis from the Leather Elves. Today's topic is, my parrot's a perch potato. What can I do? Do you live with that bird that just seems to hang out on one perch all day long? This week, we'll discuss some strategies for going from potato to playful parrot.
3: We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking
1: the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other? Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages.
0: What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat101 or use coupon code CAT101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks... Where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back.
3: Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. Today's topic is my parrot's a perch potato. What can I do? Well, why is exercise necessary? I personally
2: don't feel the need for it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think it is necessary for our birds.
3: I, I think it is, too, and <laughs> I think the veterinarians out there would probably have a thing or two to say. And there were probably people <laughs> that would say that I could use exercise, too. So, you know, it's what not whether you feel like it, it's whether it's appropriate or not. Well, and once you get over the hump, you know it does feel pretty good after a while. This is true. So we want our <laughs> birds to feel that way, right? We we want that that little rush of whoo I got some exercise, that vigor, and you know stop clogging the arteries after all the little Fritos and chips and stuff that are being handed. We're to We're not them.
2: feeding our birds Fritos and chips. We're giving them nuts and sprouts and that, sprouts yeah, that's and right. but those nuts. It's the nuts. That's why you've got to. Oh, got to
3: exercise because of the nut my treats. Fault. The treat. The people that give <laughs> treats like me. Oh no, because food is love. That's but I always say, food is love. That's what happened to my family. <laughs> That's what happened to me. But you know, it does happen with parrots. I'll tell you. When I teach a workshop, and this one, this one always kills me. Um, you know, we, we do use food throughout the workshop to reinforce the parrots. So that means we're saving the food to reinforce for training and inevitably whenever we take a break or we have lunch um, I'll see somebody over there taking like a piece of macaroni salad and giving it to their parrot and going what? What did I do wrong? And I was like um, that whole piece of macaroni is like your whole training session. Yeah, I, I don't know
2: if we've used this example before but the the whole you know feeding thing and when you give a bird something that like Some people will say, oh, I gave him a cookie. (gasps) A cookie's bigger than his head. You know, not that you wouldn't love that cookie that's bigger than your head, but how good is it for you? So think about the size relative to the size of your bird. But exercise is so important. You know, we've got these birds that are in captivity. They're in cages. And, you know, hopefully they're allowed out around your house um but they you know they may not be getting the kind of exercise that they need
3: yeah and i think a lot of them especially you know as someone who has an, an amazon and loves amazons there i do see that tendency even though my bird is flighted um he she technically she is one of those birds that was clipped probably during fledging because she never tries to fly unless she gets frightened. And for her, and she also has arthritis, so I, I don't ask that of her. But, you know, her tendency is to, to not move around much if she mm-hmm. can help it. And um, and I'm sure there's other people with Amazons who have that same problem. We always hear about them passing on from fatty liver disease and things like that from these rich diets and not getting any movement.
2: And, I, you know, I think you can also attribute some of the the issues that come up to lack of exercise. You know, I've got the, the Energizer bunny of parrots. I have the Kaiik, who doesn't stay still for anything. I've never, ever thought of him as a perch potato. But is he getting enough exercise for a Kaiik? You know, there may be that level. Some birds may be a little bit more sedentary than others. But you want to expose them to as much um, opportunity for exercise as you can and get them, you know, moving around their cage. If, if your bird doesn't come out very often, give them that opportunity in the cage. And I think... One of the problems that comes up with that is whether there's space for for that movement. You know, are you creating a perch potato by not giving your bird enough space in his cage?
3: Yeah, that's true. You know, and and um, and a lot of people already know that cage requirements. You know, your your goal is hopefully to get as big of a cage as you possibly can for your parrot. And uh, beyond that, if you can have play stands and play gyms, and I really am a big fan of an aviary. If you can, oh, if you can afford it, you know, it's not always in somebody's budget. Um, but there are some inexpensive ways to build aviaries, and um, and we might save that for another show. But to have a nice aviary where um, your bird has lots of different resources available to him, like maybe there's a mister in there to take a bath, but that's over way over in this other corner that he's going to have to work his so way it takes over a little to.
2: Travel to get there. Yeah. yeah,
3: and maybe the sunny spot it has a perch on it, but it's on the other side of the cage, mm-hmm. and maybe the food bowl is you know. Well, actually we could put the foraging toys in there That's instead of the right. food bowl so yeah, that it work works it works
2: too. I mean, I, honestly with Nikki, the dry food goes across the cage from the water bowl and Nikki loves to dunk his food. You know, nothing gets in the mouth that isn't dunked into the water bowl. So he and he has a series of perches. He has a little route that he follows to go <laughs> from the dry food to to the water and then so he,
3: he gets a little exercise that way so he wears like a little trail out he <laughs>
2: the purchase honestly it's not a stereotypical behavior i swear <laughs> but he does he's got a little route that he goes and and you know sometimes if there's a toy hanging in the middle of the route he'll find a new one yeah so but you know offering that that space is so key yeah, um, and making sure that that your bird's getting you know not becoming that pouch potato. Oh, it's one of those those phrases that might not be <laughs> not need to be repeated,
3: but not becoming that that uh, potato because
2: you haven't given them enough space
3: right and obviously um, training and enrichment are great ways to help get your bird moving Um, again you know positive reinforcement is basically reinforcing something that that you want to see happen more often so if you can get your bird moving from one point to another and the consequence of that is that something great is over there like we mentioned like maybe a bath or um, you know an opportunity to sit in the sun or to get a food reinforcer and you of course can be a part of that as well you know what I like to do with flighted birds um, when I've had some in my house at various times is I've got lots of different perches around the house that are acceptable for the bird and I pretty much am you know running from one perch to another and letting them follow me by mm-hmm. flying and landing on that perch. They don't necess- necessarily always have to land on me. And I put perches up high and I have perches down low and I can squat down on the floor so that they have to, you know, really do some angles and some work to get some exercise. The, the Bar- flighted ones I are think a lot Bar- easier. getting
2: exercise with the perches. Maybe the, the that's Lifting, a- squatting, I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Lunges now next, <laughs> right? But yeah, and enrichment too. I mean, I think part of it is, when we talk about enrichment, it's encouraging those natural behaviors. And so when you're doing that, you're encouraging movement just by virtue of, of what you're asking the bird to do.
3: Right. Of course, we don't want the reinforcer at the end to be like a french fry or something like that no, that defeats no, the purpose. That's not good. <laughs> um, you
2: know, you,
3: you, we all, you know, people try to eat healthy, and, and I think it just uh, applies to your birds as well. Yeah, definitely. You know? Now, one thing about, about flight training and flapping and things like that that um, I've always wanted to mention because I know it's been out there in the literature that you know get your bird doing flapping exercises and the way that people have done that sometimes that I've observed is maybe their bird sitting on their hand and then they they drop their hand so that the bird flaps basically to maintain its balance and while I understand you're getting your bird moving for me, there's a little challenge with that because I do think if your bird isn't comfortable with it, then you're not making the experience much fun for him. So so fl- waving your bird up and down in the air to get him flapping may be actually not very comfortable for him. So if you want to perhaps start teaching him to be comfortable with that, I wouldn't do these big giant movements with him. I'd start really tiny and reinforce him, follow it up with some positive reinforcement for when, when he does put the, the wings out. But throwing them off balance to me isn't really an acceptable way to get them flapping their wings. That that to me is is actually using a little bit of that coercion that we really try to avoid in order to keep that great trust relationship with your bird. So be a little bit careful about that.
2: Well, I mean, when you think about it, if a bird's trusting you enough to do, you know, to step up on you and, and be on your hand, and you've created that fairly solid perch, it's moving, but I mean, branches do move in the wild. But, and, and suddenly you're, you're making that a completely unstable perch for yeah. your bird. You're, you're kind of taking a little bit away from that, that trust that you've built up with the bird.
3: But that's not to say that there aren't some birds that, I, I mean, I've definitely seen some birds, I'm sure some of you out there have those birds that totally get into like swinging upside right. down and they practically launch themselves off your hands so that they're hanging upside down and flapping. And that's, that's different. You know, that's looking at your bird's body language and saying, oh, this guy's into it. You know, they'll
2: definitely let you know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that you need, you need to take the cue from your bird. Right. Um...
3: And also, you know, even taking a bath is a great way to get your bird moving and flapping those wings, you know, especially, again, being an Amazon lover. I know how Amazons really can get into a bath where they're just flapping those wings all over the place and vocalizing. And, again, it's movement. It's movement. I
2: I think I've told you this story before, but the first time Nikki took a bath in his water bowl, I was upstairs and I got my dad called me downstairs and said, the bird's drowning himself. <laughs> I said, what do you mean the bird's drowning himself? And I and I went down and he was just taking a bath, but it was in a ton of movement. He was just moving around. He was in the bowl. He was out of the bowl. He was flapping his wings. He was going from perch to perch and then back to the water bowl. And so it was definitely getting, it was stimulating him to move more. Mm. And so what I've done since then is I'll place a, a shallow pan, you know, obviously while I'm there, but in the bottom. And he'll go down to that and, and do the bathing thing in there. Um, a lot of people do, you know, baths and showers and things like that. And again, it's just, it's that movement. It's that different stimulation than being in the cage.
3: And of course, you know, again, going with the bird's body language, as long as it's something he's into, you don't want to, you know, if, if you're spraying him and he's not into it, usually they're not putting their wings out. So it's not doing him right. much good. When I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast before, but um, when I used to work at Natural Encounters at, at Disney's Animal Kingdom, the show we did there, we did have a shower cage set up. So we had, it. we had a, a big enclosure that was outside, and after a pair of birds, perhaps, usually a lot of the birds were kept there in pairs, when the show was done and they weren't performing anymore that day, they didn't have to fly anymore, we'd put them in the shower cage, and the shower cage had a mister that we would um, have in one corner, we also had a, a pan of water at the bottom, and then we also had another hose that was delivering water in bigger droplets, so there were several different options, and we would just put the birds in there and let them hang out there for, you know, an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And they would just go, you know, go get into that bath pretty much as long as they were in there. And when we finally would... uh take them out was when they kind of went over and sat on a perch and said okay I'm done but you know it doesn't take a lot of effort on your part and you know if you've got one of those birds that just loves having a bath and you've got a nice climate where they can be outside for that it's a great way to get them moving and they've got a lot of space to take that bath Mm -hmm. and flap those wings
2: and if you're the least bit mechanically inclined there are ways to do showers um, and misters that are motion sensors. Mm -hmm. And so your bird, it's something that your bird can have a choice whether it has that mist or not. And it's great to allow them that control. And if, you know, if people are interested, they can email me. Um, We did a workshop several years back at the American Association of Zookeepers. It was for elephants. Mm -hmm. And so the information is designed to build one elephant size, which I don't think you'd want to do for your cockatiel. But, you know, that information is out there, and I can de- I'd can i be happy to share that with people if they want to um, get in touch with me. And, you know, when you backtrack a little bit, when you were talking about the bird's body language telling you whether it wants to be misted or sprayed, Nikki is not a big fan of the spray or the mist. It's, you know, I, and initially I was like, but I really need to do this. This is important. I need to mist him. And then I realized it's not. He's getting that bath. He's doing the bathing himself. And he definitely, if he's on his play gym, he will walk away from me with the mister in my hand. He'll move to the other end of the perch, and at that point I stop because he's obviously telling me through his body language that that's not something that that he wants to be doing at that time.
3: Yeah, and if needed, he can be trained to be comfortable with a mister, but as you said, he's already got other options for getting a bath. And um, in Good Bird Magazine, um, Tex Hanke wrote a great article about how she trained a cockatoo to using, you know, shaping with approximations to teach a cockatoo how to be comfortable taking a bath with with a little spray bottle. So that's another option for people out there that have a reluctant bather. Right. So back to the, those flighted birds, you know, a lot of people um, may have a bird that's not flighted and they're not quite sure what to do about it. And I did mention a little bit about having the birds flap up and down and what to be careful about there. But if you've got one of those birds that's fully winged and you want him to fly, but he's not flying... I do want to remember or remind people to not force the bird into flight by launching it over a bed or throwing it because, again, that gets you back into that coercion state, which is really contradictory to your positive reinforcement training strategies. You can get there with tiny baby steps of teaching them to hop to your hand. It gets a little tougher for those birds that haven't been flying for a long time. So even if your bird doesn't fly, you can train them to climb all over the place, and this is where your target training skills are going to be really important. And, in fact, you can put... um all these different perches on cue mm-hmm. on, and even on, well, and actually one behavior I've always really enjoyed that, that I've done with with flighted birds, but you could do it with non-flighted birds too, is that you, you give them a cue that means just go find a perch, any perch. Right. And if you've trained your bird maybe five or six different perches in his enclosure or in your house that he can climb to that you want him to go to... You can just say, you know, give a cue perch, and he goes and seeks out one, which takes a little effort. It's got to go climb over there, or whatever, mm-hmm. and get reinforced for it. So um, all is not lost just because your bird doesn't fly. And it's really helpful,
2: too, um, as someone that does have a, a non-flighted bird. When I'm changing the water bowl or something like that, Nikki will sometimes stand on the water bowl, and I've got him now. He's target trained to move. If I, he'll target to another spot or to a perch in his cage, and he does have to do that movement. And it's when I need him to be to move for me, and I don't, you know, I don't have to force him to move. I don't have to physically move him in any way. And I've used the training, and it's getting that movement as well.
3: Definitely. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has done this in their house. And I know some of the good bird readers have sent me great pictures of some of their aviaries and things like that and rooms that they've made for enrichment. But I love the idea of, like, you know, big cargo nets and ropes and stuff all over the ceiling. So, you know, hanging from the ceiling so your birds have, like, pretty much your whole room to travel. Mm -hmm.
2: Which is nice, cause, and, it, and it is that movement, It's it, and they can stay up high if they want to. They can stay, It's you know, it simulates that canopy effect. You mm-hmm. know, when they're in the wild, in the rainforest, they're up in the upper levels of the canopy, and they can stay up there and move from one to the other, and they don't necessarily have to be directly interacting with you. They have a choice whether they want to come down or not.
3: Yeah, and I think it's Chris Porter who has, like, baskets hanging from you know her area that she made for enrichment for her birds and so they've got to travel from basket to basket and see what's inside there that that can be fun to interact with so it's really just a matter of putting all those resources in different places um, whether it's high perches for snoozing or lower purchase for treats or purchase mid-level for enrichment items that are unique and novel um, all those things can get a moving from a training perspective, another nice one to use is training a retrieve, but making it a super long retrieve. So you might start out really close at first, where they pick up something and put it, you know, in a in a container or in your hand or whatever, and then you start adding distance to it, so they really have to go work for it. And uh, Rebecca O'Connor was on the show not too long ago, and um, she didn't share the story on air, but one thing she did with her dogs, which I loved, is um, she had one dog that really seemed to be interested in pens, and who doesn't have a That wants to chew up a pen. (laughs) And so what she decided to do was to train her dog to retrieve pens for a food reinforcer. And so then she started hiding the pens all over the house so that it kept the dog busy. Because the dog would go look for the pen and bring it back to her and she'd get reinforced for it. So obviously with a parrot, if you wanted to use a pen, you might be taking it apart so that the ink and the spring and all that stuff weren't in there. And maybe you just have the plastic outside part. But, you know, imagine training a retrieve with that and then expanding the distance and then making it a search behavior so they actually have to look for it, too. You do
2: the treasure hunt with your bird. Yeah. You know? and, and you could do it with anything. You could do it with little foot toys. You know, they could go find a foot toy and bring it back to you. Um, so there are definitely some things you can do. And and some hiding foraging items is the same, the same idea, you know, put them around the house and, and allow the bird to go and get them. It's definitely something that that requires that movement from them.
3: And if and if you choose like maybe five or six or seven different locations that you're the, that these are going to be the places where you typically hide stuff, um, then you don't necessarily have your bird destroying like everything in your house. He's right. got some certain locations that he's pretty sure that that's where he might find something good if he mm-hmm. goes go searching for it. Well, shoot, we've talked a lot. Maybe we need to take a break. We have why don't we take a break and we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs>
1: Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think? One bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't
3: have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Chiwokas on Pet Life Radio. Okay, so we touched a little bit um, before the break
2: about, Barb touched a little bit on, um, putting things in certain places so that your bird's not chewing up your whole house. And I think safety is really key when you're talking about a lot of movement. You know, if you're letting your parrot out and you're offering different opportunities around your house, you just need to be really careful that the, the safety issues are taken care of first. You know, you, you those electrical cords are awfully enticing, you know, and the window cords are enticing. Things that that your bird may be getting into if you're you're suggesting or requesting this this movement from them.
3: Mm, yeah, um, banana pudding. My cockatiel likes to perch on the windowsill and look out the window, and um, I have had to sacrifice my my blinds to the cockatiel because <laughs> he has chewed them. <laughs> for, and, and those are choices you made. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it was totally my fault because I I left the blinds too low. But and and after that, I was just like, oh well, they're here for his him to chew and. Fortunately, they're not very expensive, so if I decide to replace them, I it won't be a problem. <laughs> and there
2: are things that do turn into enrichment opportunities and and movement opportunities for your bird that you may not have anticipated. You know, and I mean, how many times have you heard the story, Barbara? Well, I don't have any door jams on my house because I have a parrot. Well, that doesn't have to be. You know, if you're if you're creating enough movement and you're offering, you know, enticing reinforcers at that the you know the the end point of that movement, then it's really not, you know, the destruction doesn't have to happen, mm-hmm. and and safety too, and make sure that you know the fans are off if you've got uh, fans in your house, ceiling fans. If you're gonna have that bird out and you're you're gonna be working with him, um, you know, working on this this exercise piece, mm-hmm. then you really do need to be sure that, that those things are, are safeguarded, and stoves, and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, they're common sense things, but sometimes you get caught up in, oh, look at I'm getting this, this exciting movement, and I'm getting my bird to exercise, and and they may go you know, by the wayside because you don't think of them in the
3: excitement. Mm, definitely. I know something that's very exciting for, for my parents. Yes. My computer. There you go. <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't want him to chew that up either, but banana pudding in particular will will launch himself from his cage top to get to the computer and believe it or not he actually looks at the images like especially if I'm punching keys and things move yeah. he he watches the images so it's a interesting and, reinforcer for you me. know again with the visual
2: enrichment you're offering the, that visual stimulus to the to the bird and if you move it around you know does the the TV screen or the video screen that you're using have to always be in the same place? Mm. You know, get them moving, and they may move in response to things that are happening on the screen too. Mm-hmm. So that visual stimulation may get them moving. Yeah. Um, another really, we've talked about perching and different perching, but perching in itself is enrichment. You know, oh, it's a perch. I just have to have a perch. Well, offering different perching and offering them, you know, I think we sometimes make things a little bit too easy for our birds. Um, it's that whole, Oh, it's my baby yeah. and he needs to you know, it needs to be easy to get from one point to the other. Unless you have a bird with some physical, you know, disability, if you will, and they need what I call handicap perching. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be right you know, the one end crosses over the other end so they can very easily step from one to the other. Mm-hmm. They will crawl across the top of the cage or crawl across the bars to get to the next perch mm-hmm. if if need be. Um, so it does encourage that, that movement and um just be strategic about it and move it around you know it doesn't it doesn't always have to be predictable mm-hmm. you know you don't want to introduce something huge and new into a cage when your birds out but it's it's the same perching you can move it around while you know while the birds on the play gym maybe you move the perch from here to there um and you're offering something a little bit different so you know you can play with the perches and and get them Get them going a little bit further than than they might have before. Mm-hmm. Um, another, you know, as far as perches are concerned, the play gym is just huge. Um, I have a play gym for Nikki, and I have to admit it's um, way too big for mm-hmm. him. It's it's way more space than the average kayak needs on a play gym, but he uses the whole thing.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say, and if the whole point then is just to get him moving all over it, if you can, yeah, you know. And one way to get birds moving all over, and um, I thought this was pretty awesome. Um, Joseph, who is in my first DVD and also in my DVD on understanding parrot body language, he created an obstacle course for his Myers parrot. And, um, he, obviously it was fun for him just to train the different mm-hmm. elements, but he turned it into a giant chained behavior. And so his little parrot, um, let's see if I can remember all the elements. He climb. I think he climbs up a ladder, rings a bell. Then he has to walk to push a little, uh, wooden bead across a, a, uh, a stick, then he picks up an object and puts it in, walks over and puts it into a little bucket. And then he has to climb down and go through some PVC pipe. Oh, <laughs> he fine. has like through a little tunnel. So it actually, you know, gets a, a, quite a bit of movement out of him. Uh, and and it's fun for the bird and fun for right. Joseph to train. That's exciting, and and you know you can tra- train
2: different behaviors, do a chain of behaviors on the play gym that incorporates the different um, levels. And you know I know the one that I have for Nikki has like a spiral staircase of, of perching going up to the top, and then there's a swing, and and there's just so much to get him moving. And and swings are another great opportunity, mm-hmm. whether they're in the cage or on the play gym. You know sometimes they'll they'll encourage that flapping behavior. The birds will flap to get themselves moving. Yeah, on Yeah, I
3: have seen some birds um, get their Make it swing on their own. for Nikki sure Nikki
2: does the fireman um, pole as well. Slides it's, down. Yeah, he he. The first time we saw it, it was so exciting, and and now he just really thinks it's great because he gets a big laugh out of it, yeah. and he will. It's it's almost as though our laughter gets him to do it. If we're we having fun, it. and he's playing on the gym, and something causes us to laugh, he then goes. It's like his cue. He then goes and does the fireman slide down the side of the swing. Yeah,
3: we used to actually. That was a behavior we had a scarlet macaw do in a show at Marine World when mm-hmm. I first started out in bird shows, and. It was a fun one. It was a crowd pleaser. And that's, you know, it may not be too difficult for the parrot to do, but it's fun to watch. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you know, and I find myself, too, when I'm placing toys in the cage, I will make sure that I'll try to put them so that they're accessible to different perching. And that's not always necessary either. I was just recently at a show in Utah at Tracy aviary, and they have a cockatoo that comes down a vine, a simulated vine, and then goes to another vine and crawls up the vine and then goes over. And you could put, you know, different rope hanging, you know, ropes with just big knots in them and your bird can go from one to the other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that George of the jungle thing happening in the cage, <laughs> um, which is a very natural behavior too, you know, yeah. for them to go from one to the next.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to mention, I, I, this one just came to me back when we were talking about flighted birds. One of the ways that we actually get flighted birds in shape is to have them do what what's known in the falconry community as verticals, where you basically try to have a bird fly a fairly steep angle to you but again this is for a bird who's you know pretty skilled flyer you wouldn't be doing this with a bird who doesn't have good flight skills to start with but it actually helps them build their pectoral muscles Mm -hmm. Um, and so you also have to keep in mind you can't you don't want to push them for too much because just like you after a workout you can get you can get sore from that um, but it's another way to get a little exercise. You just do a little, um, you know, fly up to the hand, they get reinforced. And you, you can cue them to fly back down, and then cue them to fly back up to your hand and get reinforced. And that little bit of repetitive motion can help uh, build some of their, their stamina as well. And would you do that
2: from the ground to your hand? or
3: um, You can, um, but, but that I mean, the idea is that they're really working those pecs. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're flying more at a horizontal um, level, they can do... A little more gliding if there's right. distance um, but the idea is that they really have to put a little effort into it another exercise opportunity there there you go
2: and sometimes you know we talked in a prior podcast about um, having your bird enter and exit the cage on their own if you put the play gym someplace where they may need to fly to it or climb to it if they prefer being on the play gym um, that may be a way to entice a little bit of activity from them
3: yep yeah, definitely Definitely. Any more thoughts on how I, we can get
2: them moving? I think two choices, you know, if you're you're varying your presentation as far as enrichment is concerned, you you're gonna get them to be more alert and, and more um, aware at different times of the day. If it's not the okay, I'm gonna hang out on my perch until, you know, it feels the sun's at this point, it's two o'clock or whatever. You know, they may, they obviously don't know it's 2 o'clock, but mm-hmm. um, if that enrichment's coming at the same time every day or the, the food's being presented at exactly the same time every day, then there is going to be that sedentary time. And so if you offer those choices and allow them, you know, so they don't always know when it's coming, it, that may get some more movement and exercise from them. And, you know, I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but foraging, you know, <laughs> it's, it is working for their food. Um, and it, it does... Get them, you know, not just hanging out on the food bowl waiting for the delivery of of that that meal. And um, as far as the movement's concerned and offering different choices... You, you're you allowing them some control, too. And mm-hmm. we've discussed that before. It's so very important.
3: Yeah. Well, so, so you, you can probably figure out by now, There's are there are options for your bird that may be the perch potato to get him moving mm-hmm. and getting some exercise in there and doing it safely and having fun at right. the same time.
2: And, you know, most of the things that we talk about, Barbara, it, that that fun aspect has to be happening. Or, you know, it's just not... You, you it's your reinforcer um when you get that success and when you see that that bird that that is doing an activity that you have hoped that he or she would do.
3: Yeah, well, I, to me, it's always comes back to why, you know, it's why we have parrots in our homes in the first place. You know, they're not just pretty decorations. It's because they give us so much pleasure, and hopefully we can do the same for them. Right. And so on to that. Should, or should we move on to upcoming events? We should. Okay. Uh, January 23rd to the
2: 25th is Parrot Festival in Houston, Texas, and it's hosted by the National Parrot Rescue and Preservation Foundation. There are a bunch of great speakers, and there's a huge vendor room, and they have evening activities, and I'll have a booth there, so stop by and and say hello. And then on February 21st, you can see Barbara and I at the Parrot Training and Enrichment Workshop in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's hosted by the Greater Cincinnati Bird Club. You can visit their website at www.gcbclub.org. On February 22nd, I'll be in Cleveland. It's the Ohio whirlwind tour for an enrichment workshop with Cleveland Peace.
3: And then February 24th through 28th, it's the International Association of Avian Trainers and Educators Annual Conference. Barbara, that's me, and Robin (laughs) will be participating in this event. Um, March 14th, I'm teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop in Dallas, Texas. The website for that is bird-haven.org. And then on March 28th, I'll be in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, teaching a flight training seminar at Featherlust Farm Bird Store. You can visit featherlustfarm.com for more info. And then April 18th and 19th, uh, Dr. Susan Friedman and I will be teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. And more information can be found at parrotworkshops.org. And then May 9th and 10th, I'm going to be in Finland. I don't think I can pronounce the city. It says Janakala perhaps. But you can find more information on my website. And then May 16th and 17th, I'll be in France. The website for that event is going to be uh, www.aedp.fr. And you can also visit goodbirdinc.com for info. And then May 23rd and 24th, I'll be in Portugal. And we're still working out the details on that event.
2: May 29th to the 31st is the Best Parrot Conference in Edison, New Jersey. Barbara, myself, Dr. Susan Friedman, Joanna Eccles uh, from the World Parrot Trust will be speaking, and we'll be doing some up-close and personal uh, experiences there. And then October 24th through the 31st, I'll be sailing on the 09 Parrot Lover's Cruise. The cruise is going to... Panama, Costa Rica, Cozumel—a great opportunity to see some, par- hopefully, see some parrots in the wild and some great speakers. And you can get more information on that at Baldman Travel b a l d m a n travelcom
3: And if you'd like to visit our websites, you can go to GoodBird Inc and the Leather Elves and of course the Best Parrot com.
2: And some resources as far as getting your birds up and moving. Um, Starbird has some wonderful cargo nets, and you can check those out online. Your Lucky Parrot has boings, which are are fun and they're just a a movable kind of perch and then there's the orb toy which is the circular uh, perch that can be hung from the ceiling and things like that
3: yeah it kind of looks like a bunch of boings put together in a big
2: giant ball it does and it's a lot of fun and we have seen birds use them before Um, my enrichment tip of the week is your level of interaction can set the tone for how active your parrot is don't be a couch potato
3: get in there and offer a wide variety of options for your companions. And my training tip of the week, to avoid adding to your bird's laid-back ways, you can save favorite foods for rewarding good behavior. In other words, nothing's free. Each treat is earned. No more dropping seeds and nuts in the bowl just for sitting there and looking pretty. All right, and I think with that, we are out of time.
2: So if you want to contact us, if you have suggestions or questions, you can contact us at Robin at PetLifeRadio.com or Barbara at PetLifeRadio.com. And as always, if you'd like transcripts of this show, please visit www.PetLifeRadio.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.